Blog Talk Radio.
weapons of mass destruction were found. Are you kidding me? Do you buy that? There Doc, were, there were, there were. Nyeh, 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 nyeh. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white. Come on, let us shoot. Claire. Bang, bang, bang. Hey, uh, I need to get the rat, the brass to drop rats. I got a wounded girl. We need to take the rest of mine. Oh, it's their fault for bringing their kids to a battle. That's right. The main reason we went into Iraq at the time was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't, but he had the capacity to make weapons of mass destruction. But I also talked about the human suffering in Iraq. Hello, boys and girls. I have a special message for you from the President of the United States. I salute the boys and girls who are buying United States savings stamps and bonds, and they're giving important support to the cause of freedom and the men who fight for us in Vietnam. Congress gave us this authority in August 1964 to do whatever may be necessary. That's pretty far-reaching. That's the sky's the limit. As an American citizen, you have to respect our president, whether I like it or not. It's really my, not my decision, but I do respect my president, and I will support whatever decision he makes. Music played and people sang Just for me, the church bells rang It is a hard fact that U.S. strikes have resulted in civilian casualties. Now he's gone, I don't know why Until this day sometimes I cry didn't even say goodbye, he didn't take the time to lie. The United States knows that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. One of the first things they told me was, you're not even to acknowledge the drone program. You're not even to discuss that it exists. Renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. That reply is crashing through the lies and disinformation. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. And uh, I tell you what, I, I kind of like this uh you know, keeping the call call boards pretty clear. I mean, uh, I'm pretty much getting the same amount of downloads on the show, and the live callers. Uh, it's pretty. It's really a nuisance when you get the live call-ins. You know, uh, because you got to watch the call board, and you know, and people are waiting, and then they get mad at you if they don't. You know, they're pressing one, and uh, you know, unless you're going to get good people on here that are going to have, you know, that are going to comment and talk uh, about something of substance. You know, it's it's. It's it's uh you know it's 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 useless to call the call in so I mean unless you're a comedy show or something like that but the information is getting out there and that's what's important and that's what the purpose of the podcast is is to uh, spread information and and keep the alternative media out there alive and well and let people take that information and use it for whatever reasons or how they can. Um, uh, you know what's the next movement out there? Out there, I think everybody's sitting. It's it's like we're in this 
this uh, hover zone right now. Like we went through the pandemic phase here. You know, I mean, I get, nobody's wearing masks anymore. They're taking them off. You know, uh, I guess we're safe now. Uh, the COVID's still out there. People are still getting the, you know, sick, flu, flu. I was like, speaking to somebody earlier today. Um, he got the COVID shot, and then now he's, I guess he tested positive for the COVID. So he got, he was coughing a little bit while the phone with me, you know, I could tell he was sick. So, uh, hopefully he feels better out there. Um, but, uh, you know, so he's got it. So, you know, what is the COVID? You know, what is this thing? You know, this, this, this virus that they spread amongst the, uh, planet here. And, uh, basically it's, you know, it, it's, 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 it's crazy. You know, these viruses that they put out there to, to uh, control the human population around the globe, the sickness and the suffering. And people don't think that people are sick enough to do stuff like that. You know, we, I was uh, like speaking of the gentleman I was speaking to earlier today. You know, we were talking about history and, you know, how history is just rewritten. And, and people actually believe a lot of the things that just really we shouldn't believe. That's how it really is, you know. And the reality of it is, is there's there's good people out there that genuinely care, genuinely care about the things that are happening in the, the times we're living today, but they don't know what to do because we've sacrificed so many of our freedoms, and our masters have have taken away so many of our freedoms that we're really slaves. I mean, just think about it. When you know, I was watching a clip from a World War II era and where the French went into uh, Germany there and uh, you know they're, they're smacking people inside the head for wearing a hat you know and because they're not you know well what's that sound like today you walk into a courthouse and take your hat off there sir you know they yell take your hat off there sir you know like you know you know if you don't do it you'll get smacked upside the head you'll get electrocuted tased or pepper sprayed or you know slammed in slammed to the ground tackled you know, and, and these people put their pants on the same way we do. How come they always win? You know, why do they got to win? They put their hands on me. You know, you got to fight. You got to fight. You know, you fight. Put your hands on me. You got to fight. You can't be, we, you know, you're, if you're in shape, you could beat their ass. Excuse my language here. You know, I, nobody has the right to put their hands on you or touch you. You know, and and that, that's where you know because they wear a uniform and they wear a they have a badge. They're not of any authority. That's the misconception of a lot of people today. That you know they're that you know people the government is the authority. They're not the authority over us. We the people are the authority. We the people are. And there's enough of us out there that are educated that we've lost our way. If you see ignorance happen amongst the people, you have a right to judge that situation and take control of that situation and stop it. You have that right. You are you are a citizen in this republic as long as you, you comply with the Constitution. I know there's sick people out there and there's crime out there and there's people that have to be you know, separated from the rest of us in society because they can't handle themselves properly. But, but who makes the rules, who enforces the rules, and what rules are to be enforced and why should the rules be enforced in certain situations, right? So, you know, when you really come down to it, you know, unless someone comes on your land and your property or tries to steal your property, really – you know, people can do whatever they want. 
you know. I mean, think about it. You know, if you're out there, you know, if you're out there shopping or, or you know, driving, you know, people, this is for instance, like road rage, you know. If, if somebody does something wrong and they're acting stupid, I don't, we don't need the police to enforce speed limits. Because we know if you're doing 100 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone and you smash and kill somebody, no matter how many speed limit signs are up or how many cops are out there shooting radar, that person – there's still going to be people out there who are going to drive like – if that person's an idiot, is going to drive like an idiot. So it doesn't matter how many driver's licenses you have or permissions you have to drive on that road. You cannot prevent prevent crime from happening. You can't stop it. You can alter people's way of thinking through education, through you know, through through the uh, 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 morality of teaching uh, you know moral values, and that starts at home. But again, we can't. We have to go back. We have to start with our youth. This is what they've done. They started with our youth. They started indoctrinating our youth a long, long time ago. And and, and you see what's going on. We're at a we're in a war right now against this this liberal social uh, minded uh, socialism idea that they have that they can they think they can you know say the things that they can say. And, and their civil rights and, and all this other stuff. Like I was having a conversation again earlier, uh, same conversation. We talked about a bunch of things when I talked to this friend of mine. Uh, but we were talking about, you know, the Civil War. And people don't understand that the Civil War, what it was really fought over. It was, you know, it was fought over, you know, states' rights and the federal government then taking away, you know, saying that they, they're God, they're the king, you know, through the 14th Amendment when they adapted that. You know, if you go to... Look up true history of why the Civil War was fought. Um, you go to really a lot of it had to do here with North Carolina. I think it was 1868 where they, you know, the um, they forced the North Carolina governor to, uh, you know, basically surrender uh, the because they wanted to adopt the 14th Amendment. You know, it was the Reconstruction Act. You go back into that period of time and you'll understand if you do, you know, you, you do your research, you'll understand what. Really, the war was really fought fought over, and we lost our way during that time. But the con- but the, but it's an illegitimate government that they put in place. Congress cannot t- listen. We the people are in show. Our rights come from God. Our right, we are we are born. We're endowed by our Creator to life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. No government can take that away from you. They. Can, they can restrain you from sin. They can put you in jail for hurting someone else or, or you know, transgressing against your neighbor. You know, obviously, if you do something silly or crazy like that, then, it's just, you know, you, you, the republic would have to deal with you, and it would take in a jury of your peers to be convinced to convict you of a crime without beyond a reasonable doubt that you transgressed it. You did something wrong to where you should be punished. And that's hard to do, to convince 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, not all this corruption that they have now in the, the system now, that you know, this is totally unconstitutional. How could you have a fair trial, a fair, fair hearing? You know, they're, they're, they still happen across the country, but, they're, but it's hard to get. You know, the, 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 pro, the system itself, the process is very long and drawn out, and there's a lot of intricates to the to, – 
to it. And there's a lot of hands in the pie. And to, to get justice, you have to really wait it out and, and endure. And if you're able to do that, you can pr- most a lot of times get it. But, but again, back to the, the original subject here. In a republic, you have you uh, you have to be found guilty by a jury of your peers. Peers. Because everyone has to find you guilty, not just one person, not just a majority. The majority rules. No, the majority does not rule in a republic. Never. The majority, a democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. Hear what I just said? Two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. I mean, two wolves. What are they going to pick? The sheep. The majority. The two wolves. They're going to eat the sheep. They're going to eat you. Okay. So the majority, how can, how can people ever receive any justice if the majority always wins? All you have to do is persuade everybody to think a certain way, and that's it. You're all done. Your, your goose is cooked. That's it. No way, man. That's not what this country was founded upon. That's not what the bloodshed was for in, in, during the Revolutionary War. No way. Or prior to that, it's not what we fought for. Freedom. Freedom. And throughout the globe, everywhere you go, you look at the humanistic characteristic values of mankind. It's all about control, control. Everyone wants to control somebody, you know, tell you what to do. I'm in charge. Everybody wants to be in charge. People get confused between leadership and someone being in charge. You know, they get very confused. There's nothing wrong with being a leader, but being in charge and control some of other people. That nobody is in charge of you. You are free if you live in America. At least you're supposed to be. And we have a document that outlines that freedom, that that entails exactly what that freedom consists of. And it's very, very, and basically covers everything. Your right to free speech. You know, you have the right to, to assemble. To you know, submit your grievances to the, to uh, the government. You know, Congress shall make no law abridging your right to speak or freedom of assemble or freedom of religion. No law ever, ever should they ever, 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 ever impose upon your right or liberty to free speech. Doesn't matter what you say. You can say anything you want. Your rights shall not ever be restrained to free speech. Okay, Second Amendment. Your right to bear arms shall not be infringed, period. Not, well, we can make a statute here that says, well, if you're 18 and under, you can't have a gun. You know, well, you know, if you're 22 and you had two beers and then, you know, no, 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 no. Shall not be infringed, period. You don't get to make regulations, restrictions, and infringe upon your rights out there. You have the, you have uh, the right. It's your rights. They're, they're granted to you not by me, not by government, not by anybody, by God, your creator. Natural rights that you know, common sense, common law, common sense. It's so easy to figure out. January 6th, we saw an explosion. Now, I know the provocative. I don't want to hear it. It was a setup. This and that. There was people that rubbed, rubbed. I don't want to hear all that crap. People were angry. And our republic stood a test that day in our constitution. Now, whatever, who was to blame or what happened or how they went about it, I don't want to get into that. 
we're just I'm just going to get into you know play a little something here. It's about 20 minutes long, deep outlining exactly what happened. Never be seen, never seen before, heard audio or footage about January 6th. Play that here for you, about 20 minutes long. And, uh, you know, our republic, our republic is in trouble. It's time to get together, folks, and knock it off. It's time to get together. Stop it. Stop it. We're in trouble. January 6, 2021, my primary assignment was to cover then-President Trump's rally at the Ellipse. I had walked down the National Mall from the U.S. Capitol and was taken aback by the size of the crowd. It was jarring to say the least because it had been the most amount of people that I had seen gathered together in one place since the start of the pandemic. You can definitely feel the tension in the air throughout the entire rally. Many people were chanting about how the election was stolen, saying how they wanted to march on the Capitol to uh, voice their displeasure, which they obviously did.
And, and I would see an officer point um, something in my direction, I would generally dart out of the way and make sure I got to a safe distance while also trying to simultaneously photograph the scene as I was moving. <laughs> session for filing our pictures, we were evacuated by the Capitol Police uh, to a secure undisclosed location where we were held for hours until we learned that the Senate and the House would be reconvening the joint session to certify the election. There's a preceding photograph that, that says basically that a single photograph can tell and encapsulate an entire story in that one picture. So in the early hours of January 7th, I found myself walking through the rotunda 
passing the door, the east front doors where, you know, just the day before insurrectionists had breached the security of the Capitol. It really spoke to me that it really summed up, you know, the day that I had just lived through, but also the day that we as an entire country had just lived through as well. Of an impending attack, 
putting rank-and-file officers in danger. We'll track key instigators in the mob, taking advantage of weaknesses in the capital's defences to ignite a wave of violence that engulfs the building. We'll show, for the first time, the many simultaneous points of attack, and the inch breaches of what appear to be an impenetrable institution of government. We'll show how the delay to secure Congress likely cost a rioter her life, and how for some, storming the Capitol was part of the plan all along. January 6th, and thousands are filling the National Mall in Washington. Trump will speak here at the Ellipse, a large park near the White House, and a half-hour walk to the U.S. Capitol, where the election will be certified. Who is actually in this crowd? Most are ordinary citizens who believe Trump's lie that the election was stolen. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be wild, as Trump says. But we also see more extreme groups who've gained a following during Trump's presidency. There are followers of the QAnon conspiracy who believe that Trump is facing down a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles. Q posts often invoke notions of patriotism and predict a coming storm. And ahead of January 6th, some supporters call for violence. The Oath Keepers, a far-right paramilitary group, are also here. We have men already stationed outside D.C. Their leader has said the group is ready to follow Trump's orders and take members of what they call the deep state into custody. They are organized, staging their military-style equipment neatly on the ground. And later, they put on body armor, talk on radios, and chat with their supporters on a walkie-talkie app called Zello. We have a good group. We got about 30, 40 of us. We're sticking together and sticking to the plan. Y'all, we're one block away from the Capitol now. I'm probably going to go silent when I get there because I'm going to be a little busy. Another group is the Proud Boys. They're far-right nationalists who flash white power signs throughout the day. Check that out, it's testosterone. They became a household name when Trump invoked them during a presidential debate. Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. And that's what they did. They have a history of street violence and will be key instigators of the riot. We'll return to them soon. Although the rally is billed as a political protest, some make calls to storm the Capitol even before Trump speaks. when Trump does take the stage. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. Some hear his words as a call to action. You'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you yes. have to be strong. were already heading for the capital. They're clearly spoiling for a fight with far-left agitators like Antifa, who they believe are in D.C. But there are moments that suggest another motive. Stop right there. Make the fucking capital! Come on, tighten up! Come on, Bob, bro! Let's fucking yell that! All right?
more organized, too. Many are marked with orange tape or hats. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. And those are the boys marching with us. We got head guys everywhere. They're wearing body armor, carrying baseball bats, and using radios. Leading them is Ethan Nordin, who's been entrusted with so-called war powers. He's joined by other well-known Proud Boys, like Joe Biggs, an organizer from Florida, Dominic Pozzola, a former Marine, and Billy Crestman. They will be among the first riders inside the Capitol building. As Trump is speaking, some of his other supporters also head to the Capitol. But the tone is becoming menacing. Just ahead, officers guarding the building are understaffed and ill-equipped for what's coming their way. The building is more than two football fields in length. And barricades erected on the east side are defended by just a few dozen officers. The west side, facing Trump's rally, is even lighter. The fencing has been extended, and on the northwest approach, only five officers stand guard. Around five also defend the southwest approach, a few more got the lawn, and about a dozen officers are behind them. Plans to storm the Capitol were made in plain sight, but the FBI and Department of Homeland Security did not deem those threats as credible. Police leaders and Washington's mayor were warned at least three times of violent threats, but also didn't take them seriously or circulate that information. And they declined offers of security personnel from federal and other agencies. They could have enlisted several hundred more Capitol Police for duty on January 6th, but did not. None of the officers on the barricades have protective gear or crowd control equipment. As a result, the Capitol is sparsely defended. It's 12.50 p.m. and a large group of Proud Boys is with other protesters right by the Capitol police line. Joe Biggs is rallying them. And he's approached by Ryan Samson, a Trump supporter from Pennsylvania. They chat, we don't know about what. But, a minute later, Samson is the first to approach the police line. And it's now that the protest turns violent. Without hesitation, the crowd overpowers the police. a second group breaks through on another approach. Others jump fences. And now hundreds of rioters rush forward on several fronts. Police retreat to the Capitol building, where it's becoming more threatening. mentality begins to take hold. 
Muslims are still outnumbered, they're forced to retreat again to more tightly defend access points to the capital. into the siege that the capital police chief calls for backup from local law enforcement, known as the Metropolitan Police, and asks other capital leaders to mobilize the National Guard. Metro police will arrive within 15 minutes, but for reasons we'll explain later, the National Guard won't arrive for over four hours. Meanwhile, more capital police come to reinforce the line. It's the first time we see officers in riot here. But most are missing their shields because they had not prepared to unlock the storage area where that equipment is kept. So many customers keep rallying them up. And again, they start brawling with the police. Reinforcements from the Metro Police arrive. A high-ranking Metro officer immediately calls for more backup. battling police has paved the way across capital grounds for others to follow. And after Trump finishes speaking, thousands more now fill this space. Meanwhile, inside the capital, Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence have begun certifying the 2020 presidential election results. Certification will happen on both sides of the building, in the House and the Senate. And this is what the rioters want to stop. An hour into the assault, a mob battling a police line here, along the west face of the capital. But that violence is now going to spread to multiple points of attack, as west side rioters stream around the capital and invite the crowd on the east. Here's what that crowd looks like on the east. They're aware of the siege happening on the west side, and some are emboldened by it. Until now, they've been kept behind the barricades. Then, this group from the west storms around the building and pushes right through the barriers. The police here barely put up a fight. And it's now that protesters all along the east barricades surge forward. are overwhelmed from several directions. And retreat to guard capital entrances. 
In this hallway, directly overhead the rioters, Officer Eugene Goodman is sprinting to overtake them. He passes Mitt Romney, who he warns to turn around. Reinforcements are following behind. Goodman overtakes the mob, goes downstairs, and intercepts them. He holds them off while backup arrives upstairs. Writers and just feet away is an escape route where lawmakers and Senate staff are now fleeing. Just one officer stands guard. Keeping his composure, Goodman draws the mob away from that escape route to where reinforcements are waiting. Toward the Senate and realizes a door is unguarded. Goodman shoves the protester again, lures the mob away, and brings them into that line of fellow officers. Again, the writers here are convinced it's their duty to defend democracy. Just 
as elsewhere. This crowd is a mix of die-hard Trump supporters, but also four organized groups like the Oath Keepers. We're moving formation here toward that east side entrance. The Oath Keepers and their supporters continue to update each other on the Zello chat app. together. Proud Boys are near them, including Joe Biggs, the organizer we saw earlier. He's entering the building for a second time. Gales keepers fill the rotunda along with hundreds of other rioters. the building are completely outnumbered and call for backup. The Indian authorities have brought the North Thunder and not first about 200 people. Throughout the capital, staffers have barricaded doors to keep the mob out. In Nancy Pelosi's chambers, staffers rush inside a conference room and lock two doors behind them. Just 12 minutes later, writers outside head straight for her offices and pile in. Huddles together under a table, Pelosi's staff record what's happening. One writer tries to break into that same room. Inside, staffers are silent as they record him pounding. is well underway. But, even though a lockdown was called over 15 minutes ago, the House is still in session. Do not accept Arizona's electors as certified. Representative Jim McGovern is chairing. He told us he wanted to finish hearing objections to the election results by Paul Gosar. House staff and security gave McGovern the all-clear to continue. It's a delay that likely costs someone their life. Suddenly, staff are now pointing at the chamber's doors. Escaping. 
South lobby might have been clear had the house been evacuated sooner, but the rioters now become incensed. Zachary Allen, a Trump supporter from Pennsylvania, punches in the glass panels with his bare fist. Police are stretched extremely thin. Just three officers and a police officer stand guard. None are wearing riot gear, and they keep their weapons holstered. When a team of heavily armed police now arrives, the three officers step aside. This creates a crucial gap that allows writers to smash in the glass. A warning, what happens next is graphic. It's 2.44pm, and behind the door, a police officer draws his handgun. Vaults into the window, and the officer shoots her once. It's a fatal wound through the upper chest. Inside the chamber, the floor is clear, but lawmakers on the balcony are sheltering in place. who almost made it to the balcony are held at gunpoint as it's finally evacuated. Now Trump supporters have achieved their goal, stopping the election certification. And while the house is evacuated, at the other side of the building, the Senate is occupied. On the Senate floor, they leave through lawmakers' files. Mug for photos. Pray. And leave a message for Mike Pence. As rioters inside have been rampaging throughout the capital, the crowd outside has grown. And that first battle has continued raging. Officers face off with rioters who say they support the police. But assault them anyway. We're going to show what happened here because it demonstrates yet again how failures by Capitol Police leaders to prepare put the safety of these officers at risk. to withhold some of their stronger weapons. But as soon as Robert Glover, a Metro Police Inspector, arrives, he calls for his munitions team to help. Where's your family? You need a DSO team! DSO team! DSO team to respond to the worst part of Capitol! When the building is breached, Glover knows he needs to retreat and seeks advice Capitol leaders. I need a command official from Capitol! So we can find out where it is to put back to. We cannot hold this without more munitions or more power. But Capital don't respond. He asks four times. I need to know from Capital where I want to put back to. 
on the north side of the building, police and riot gear yield and let the crowd in. Another three breaches are on the east side, two by the central doors into the rotunda, and this southeast door leading to the house chamber. It's the arrival of more Metropolitan Police and other agencies that finally turns the tide. When those officers enter the rotunda, they appears in just 20 minutes. As the mob is pushed back through the east doors, their rage turns to Mike Pence, who Trump attacked earlier. officers also stop other rioters from entering on the west side, where the mob first broke in. So here too, we see a crowd empowered by the belief that they're carrying out some patriotic duty. Over the course of the day, 150 police officers are injured. After 4 p.m., Metro and Capitol Police regain control of the upper levels. The final parts of the interior are cleared by other law enforcement, including federal agencies. Tear gas and flashbangs disperse the crowd on the inauguration terrace. The Virginia State Police and Arlington County Police help to reclaim that area. Then rioters are swiftly pushed off Capitol grounds by a reinforced police line. Only now, more than three hours after Capitol Police first called them, do National Guard soldiers arrive. Troops were staging just 20 minutes away. But a recent procedural change meant the highest level of the Pentagon had to approve deployment. And Pentagon officials delayed the decision, partially in fear of bad optics, even as the capital was being overrun. As time returns, the president tweets again. He repeats that the election had been stripped away, calls his supporters great patriots, and says, remember this day forever. The aftermath of January 6th has been as divisive as the lie that launched it. Even as one arm of government has indicted hundreds of rioters, Republican lawmakers continue efforts to normalize what happened with a mix of denials and conspiracy theories. Some of the people who breached the Capitol today were not Trump supporters. I knew those were people that love this country, that uh, truly respect law enforcement, would never do anything to, to break the law, and so I wasn't certain. They include Paul Gosar, who'd been at the Trump rally. Both the DOJ is harassing peaceful patriots across the country. And Andrew Clyde, who we saw earlier, standing just a few feet from rioters. There was no insurrection, and to call it an insurrection, in my opinion, is a bold-faced lie. Republican leaders have blocked an independent investigation that could have brought new details to light. I've made the decision to oppose the House Democrats' slanted and unbalanced proposal for another commission to study the events of January the 6th. And in May, a top Republican was ousted from the party's leadership after blaming Trump for inspiring the riot. And I think that the party uh, is in a place that we've got to bring it back from. 
none of what happened on January 6th would have been possible without a huge mass of ordinary people who were proud of what they achieved. Millions around the country still believe the violence was not only justified, but necessary. And the forces that brought them there have not gone away. Yeah, the Patriots are coming back, yes. Hopefully I'll be on our side. That's how history will write it. You heard the narrator, obviously, clearly. Uh, there, you know, I mean, tell me something. Uh, it, it just let's stand in the middle here and let's see. Let's look at both sides here. Okay, let's look at the patriots on one side, that like they were calling them, okay, the patriots or insurgents, whatever they want to call them. We have a constitution that says we have a right to bring our grievances, that we have a right to abolish or alter the current government system, right? That's what, it, that's what the concept says. I didn't write it. That's what it says. When, when a government becomes destructive, that, that's the duty, you know, it's the duty of the uh, people. Now let's look at the other side. Corruption, lies, we know, come on, you can't deny it. You can't deny it that everyone knows. Even in common, ordinary talk throughout the day or your life or whatever, we know Washington, D.C. and the politicians, they're corrupt. They lie to the people. They're detached from the people. They don't listen to the people. They don't represent our views. They're dismissive. And we're not heard. Our grievances aren't heard. So... Now, me standing in the middle, what do you do? Do I join the side of corruption and let them destroy me and tax me to death and, and violate my rights and, and, and let corruption run rampant? Uh, or do I listen to the other side and say, you know, hey, my rights are given to me by God. Remember when I opened up the show here tonight? God. And I have a constitution here. And, you know... If there's corruption going on, there's questions going on, it was revolving around the election, which there surely was, what do you do? You know, so what side were you going to, are you going to be on? Well, there's proper ways for going about it. You know, what, what's the proper way? What's the proper way? The gridlock of Washington, political and nonsense, and corruption, like I said, money rules and, and special interest groups and lobbyists and, and just let to keep the same thing happen over and over and over? Is that what we want? Is that what we want? I don't, you know, it's, you know, you, you have to ask yourself these questions. You know, when government becomes destructive, what do we do? You know, what do you do when, when, when your rights are being and, and history proves <clears throat> proves that you know that we allow tyranny to, to reign? What do you do? What, what's the process? And the founding fathers, the, you know, the Revolutionary War. You know, did, what did they say? What did, I mean, what did they do? If 1776 would ever happen if we listened to, you know, the most famous, famous quotes, like I said, you know, you know, 
went in the, you know, the most famous quotes, perhaps most eloquent expression of the people's right to dissolve the political bands which tie them together, was penned by Thomas, Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that securities rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. What's so hard to understand about that? Jefferson took pains to argue that the right of revolution was limit, was a limited one in the sense that one could not one could could not do this for weak or frivolous reasons or light and transient causes. It was for this reason that he and his colleagues provided such a long list of grievances against the British monarch in order to prove prove to the world that their reason for revolt was serious, long standing, and many. In essence, the grounds for revolution were two. The offending government had to have moved away from their very reason for its being named, being namely the protection of each individual's life, liberty, pursuit of, pursuit of uh, life, liberty, and property. Unfortunately, too vaguely expressed here as the pursuit of happiness, and that there is a clear pattern of behavior which proves that there is a design to create a despotic government over the people. In spite of these restrictions, Jefferson obviously thought. Both conditions had been satisfied by the July 1776. Now, were they satisfied on January 6th, guys? And that there is therefore established the right to revolution on the part of the American colonists. That was that was that's history there. Now we got another part of history, January 6th. You know, and we saw what's happened afterwards, right? What do you say? Where do we go from here? And if anybody wants... Oh, got that one wrong, didn't I?